A reading from the prophet Jonah, the third chapter. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O God, as the prophet Jonah spent three days in the belly of the great fish, so your son Jesus spent three days in the heart of the earth. Grant us repentance to embrace our death in him through holy baptism and to proclaim his victory over sin and death to all the world. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention for this devotion comes to us from Jonah chapter 3. Jonah's story is about more than a big fish. Jonah's story is about victorious repentance, both by Jonah and by Nineveh. The fish vomited Jonah onto the seashore. Three days and nights he spent in the belly of that fish. Three days and nights he prayed in that belly of the fish. A prayer of victorious repentance. Jonah repented of running from God. Jonah repented of being a snob. God originally told Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach their destruction. But Jonah didn't want to go. Nineveh was the enemy. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Assyria was on Israel's doorstep ready to invade. He ran away towards Tarshish because it was the opposite direction. Was he worried that he might be killed? Was he worried that God would forgive them? Either of these would distract a preacher. God called Jonah to preach to Israel's enemy, an enemy threatening to invade, a vicious and ruthless enemy who dispersed conquered peoples throughout all their territory. If Jonah walked up to Nineveh's gate, he could be killed for being an Israelite, a spy for the enemy. No one wants to put their life on the line, especially for something as mundane as preaching God's word, right? <clears throat> but that is each Christian's calling. What you vowed at your confirmation do you intend to live according to the word of God and in faith, word, and deed to remain true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even to death? Do you intend to continue steadfast in this confession in church and to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it? Both are answered, I do, by the grace of God. These are strong words. Why is faithfulness unto death so important? Jesus says, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Jesus promises heaven to the faithful, those who are faithful to him in the calling he gives them. You will not receive his blessings if you are not faithful. We remind ourselves that a violent death is likely for those who bear Christ's name. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father is child, and the children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Jonah wasn't faithful to God's first call. He didn't endure the hardships. He spent three days and nights in the belly of a fish for it. You aren't faithful to God's call. You don't endure the hardships. Where are your three days and nights spent? Jesus spent them for you when he laid in the tomb for three days and three nights. Jesus' time in the tomb makes your repentance victorious. It made Jonah's repentance victorious. Was Jonah maybe worried that God might actually forgive Nineveh? After preaching to Nineveh, he sat on a hillside overlooking the city. He prayed, O oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah didn't want God to give his mercy and forgiveness to Israel's enemies. They weren't worthy of God's mercy and forgiveness. And this is the problem whenever we separate people into us and them because they are always unworthy of having what we have. Jonah felt that way about Nineveh. They were unworthy of God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness was for Israel, not anyone else. And this is the default setting for fallen human beings. We would rather run the opposite direction than reach out to them. And while we run, we don't expect the storm and the fish to catch up to us, but the storm and the fish always catch up. 
God sends them after us to bring us to repentance. Repentance that can be victorious. But repentance can't be victorious if you haven't been caught. God caught Jonah in the heart of the storm by sending a fish to swallow him. What storm will he send for us? Where is our fish? Who knows? We might be in the midst of it now. It might still be coming, but we cannot live like it won't happen. Victorious repentance believes that the storm is coming. Repentance doesn't presume that the worst has passed. Victorious repentance believes that there will always be a storm. Victorious repentance believes that the storm is deserved for the weight of our sins. We see this victorious repentance in Nineveh. They heard Jonah's simple eight-word sermon, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. In these few words, God convicted the whole city of their sin. The whole city repented of their sins. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat in ashes. The king even commands that the cattle be clothed in sackcloth. He commands it in the hope that God will relent from his promised destruction. Victorious repentance sits in sackcloth and ashes. Victorious repentance is not despair. Victorious repentance is filled with hope. The hope that God will relent from his promised destruction. Our victory in Lent shines through the gloom with God's gracious word of repentance. You are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. This description of God fills our hearts with the hope of forgiveness. Repentance cannot be victorious if forgiveness seems out of reach. If you do not believe in forgiveness, your repentance cannot be victorious. It cannot be victorious if it is done not wholeheartedly. Just as God says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, with your whole soul, and with your whole power. And he says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The whole city of Nineveh repented with her whole heart. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented from the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. God saw their repentance and rewarded them for it. God rewards victorious repentance when he shed his grace, when he shows mercy. His mercy and grace take many forms. The fish spit Jonah out. Nineveh was spared Sodom and Gomorrah's fate. God gives us now the opportunity to look outside ourselves in the four walls of this building, granting us the ability to focus our energy and efforts on those whom he calls the treasures of the church. God's grace and mercy are at the heart of the treasures of the church. In the 3rd century, St. Lawrence served as one of the seven deacons in Rome. Emperor Valerian wanted the church's treasures for the imperial treasury. As the archdeacon, Lawrence served as the church's treasurer, dispensing the congregation's offerings to the widows and orphans and the poor. Valerian offered to spare Lawrence's life if he turned over the church's treasures. Three days later, sensing a pattern here, Three days later, Lawrence returned with those to whom he had given alms. He proclaimed them to be the church's treasure. Valerian had him roasted on a gridiron for his belligerence. But St. Lawrence knew the truth. Jesus said, you always have the poor with you. God commanded Israel to provide for the poor no matter the circumstances. Widows received an allowance. Orphans received a place to live. Farmers didn't harvest the outskirts of their fields so the poor and downtrodden could survive. God commands the church to do the same. The ordination of the first deacons came because the Jerusalem church wasn't giving the Greek widows their share. 
Churches have established orphanages and begun adoption agencies to give orphans a home. Churches began soup kitchens to feed the poor, the homeless, and the refugee. Lately, the church hasn't followed St. Lawrence's example, especially in America. We have allowed the government to take over what has been our job. Now we snub our noses at anyone receiving welfare. We have gone from being Judas Iscariot, complaining about not giving away the money, to being the rich fool, building bigger barns to store all our excess. We need to get back to our calling, back to reclaiming the church's treasures. The first step is to repent, a victorious repentance that helps our neighbor in need because we also are in need, in need of Christ's victory over sin, death, and the devil. This victory keeps us content with what we have and generous to give to others because Christ has given his all for us. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me, weeds were wrapped about my head. At the root of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord.